Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. The U.S. Market Update with Money FM 89.3. Welcome to the Breakfast Show. I'm Sean Chong of your U.S. Markets Wrap this morning. As Wall Street awaits a pivotal debt ceiling meeting and government officials scramble to avert a default, the S&P finished little changed yesterday. It inched up just about 0.02%. Meanwhile, the Dow Jones Industrial Average lost 0.42%, ending in at 33,286 points. Monday's move pushed the Nasdaq Composite up by 0.5%. It settled in at about 12,720 points, bringing the tech-heavy index to its highest close and the highest intraday level since August. So we are just 10 days till June the 1st. That's the earliest day that Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen says that the US could realistically default. So let's unpack all of this with Dave Sikera, the Chief U.S. Market Strategist at Morningstar Research Services. And he is speaking to us from Chicago. So good evening, sir. Oh, good morning to you. How are you? Uh, yeah, it's good morning to us. I'm good. It's, it's a bit early in the morning. You know, there's nothing that will keep me up and awake and, and energetic to think about what happened if the failure to raise the U.S. debt ceiling beyond the current levels cap of roughly $31.4 trillion by June. Are we looking at a last-minute deal, perhaps? What is the scariest thing that could happen? Well, first of all, I just have to note, you know, from my perspective, I think the potential for a default on U.S. Treasuries is what I consider to be you know, a very low probability, but yet high severity event. And so I do fully expect that there will be an agreement that's made and the U.S. will not default on its securities. However, I don't foresee an early conclusion to the debt ceiling negotiations. You know, I think both political parties will probably try to use this to score political points with their own base. And so I think the negotiations will probably last up until very near the deadline before the Treasury would run out of cash. Now, if there were a payment default, you know, I do think that just based on the size and the scale, you know, the amount of U.S. Treasuries outstanding, I think this would be unlike any other sovereign default that we'd seen. Now, having said that, you know, I don't think investors in Treasuries would end up suffering any losses. I do fully expect that the debt holders would end up getting fully paid once the debt ceiling is lifted, and they may even get you know, interest after the maturity date and uh, they get their debt repaid. Now, there's really no way to know exactly what all would happen. Now, personally, my biggest concern is going to be on the funding markets, you know, those markets that do use U.S. Treasuries as collateral. And a lot of those funding agreements typically include language that they can't use defaulted securities you know, in those arrangements. So the result could be that there could be just a huge unwind of those facilities. Borrowers end up becoming forced sellers. And, of course, that selling pressure in turn really could send markets you know, worldwide reeling. And it looks like the market has priced in that all will be well. The VIX looks really, really low right now. It's like $17. And so that seems to suggest that they're not so concerned about this, uh, this catastrophe happening. Yeah, I think most institutional investors are pretty much in the same vein that I am, that we do fully expect that you know, there'll be a lot of noise between now and then. But by the end of the month, you know, before the Treasury runs out of cash, you know, they will get to some sort of agreement. Some sort of deal will get done. Recent gains we're seeing in the tech-heavy NASDAQ, is that a blow-off or is that a panic bit? Well, in my view, it's actually, I think, a little bit of neither. So, you know, a significant amount of the rally that we've seen in the NASDAQ this year has been driven by the technology sector. In fact, if you look at our indices, the Morningstar Technology Index has risen over 27% year-to-date you know, versus the broad U.S. market, which is only up a little over 9%. 
Now, I'm not surprised. You know, tech was actually the second most undervalued sector at the beginning of the year, according to our calculations. Mm-hmm. Now, I'd also note a lot of this rally has been driven by some of the largest you know, market cap stocks, you know, stocks like Microsoft, Amazon, NVIDIA, Alphabet, Meta, Tesla. You know, these were all stocks that we had rated, you know, four and five stars at the beginning of the year. You know, they're all up well into the double digits. You know, I think NVIDIA has almost doubled at this point. So many of those are trading you know, much closer to fair value in our mind. However, at this point, I would say tech is getting pretty close to our intrinsic valuations. And so I've been talking to a number of investors, and I think now is a pretty good time to actually move from an overweight into a market weight in that tech sector. You know, some of the other sectors we see better value today is in the communications sector. That still remains you know, very undervalued, as well as a lot of the cyclical sectors, you know, basic materials, consumer cyclicals, financials. You know, those are the sectors that we still think you know, the market is you know, too negative on, whereas some of the defensive sectors, you know, those that actually held their value best to the downside last year, those are pretty fully valued here, and we don't really see too many more opportunities in those so let's take a look at some of the moving averages. I think NVIDIA is like 120% above its 100-day moving average. Microsoft is 36% above that, the 100-day moving average. So is there really more upside to come, you think? Or is, or this train has just left the station already. Well, NVIDIA is one that I would actually be especially cautious of for investors today. You know, while that stock was very undervalued coming into the year, now that it's more than doubled, we think it's actually significantly overvalued at this point. You know, we rate that one star. You know, that's the lowest of our star ratings. I think it's over 50% overvalued according to our valuations at this point. I believe the company's actually reporting later this week. So you know, we'll see what the company has to say. But you know, a lot of the rally in that stock has been due to its business and artificial intelligence and investors you know, have been you know, very excited about that business. So I am cautious going into earnings and we'll see how that plays out. But some of these other stocks you know, do still have you know, a little bit more to go to get up to intrinsic value. It's just that at this point, I do think with the market being you know, towards the top of its trading range since last fall, I do think it'll be you know, a while, probably not until late summer or maybe the fall, that we can see leading economic indicators in the U.S. turn around and really get to the point where we could break through the ceiling that we've been bumping up against. Another big piece of news that has been happening yesterday, uh, China has banned Micron out of security concerns. Uh, Micron down 3% on that news yesterday. What should we expect from these developments? Because I think it's unlikely that Micron will be the last. Right? I mean, China could easily do the same to an AMD, for example. So what does that make you think, not just about Micron and the stock, but about that space right now? Yeah, so the semiconductor space, you know, in and of itself, there's definitely a lot of transitions going on. You know, the United States is taking the political position that they're trying to, you know, bring back onshore a lot of that chip manufacturing that has been, you know, offshore. And we've certainly seen you know, a battle between, you know, the Chinese government and the U.S. government on, you know, a lot of these high-tech chips. So I do think that that will, you know, continue for a while. But I also do think that does give you know, investors you know, some opportunities, you know, specifically looking at you know, a lot of the companies that make the manufacturing equipment that actually is used to make semiconductors. We do see a lot of value in a number of those companies today. You know, ASML would be one that I would highlight to investors to take a look at. Right. And let's take a look at oil prices. Um, I think they were held in check by a stronger dollar as the market waited for news on the latest debt ceiling talks. Uh, prices itched up 1% on Monday. What are you seeing there and could that impact on other sectors as well? 
Sure. So for the oil industry, you know, specifically, you know, we do think that prices are higher than what we expect over the long term. Now, here in the short term, with some of the actions that we've seen out of OPEC and you know, some of the you know, lack of new production you know, in the United States in the shale area, we do think that the oil market is going to be relatively tight, that will keep oil prices relatively high you know, over the short to medium term. But we do think that over the longer term, we do expect oil prices to start coming back down. In fact, our team has kept a $55 a barrel price target for West Texas Intermediate, $60 target for Brent. So when I look at the energy sector overall, we think the sector is pretty fully valued. We're not seeing a lot of new opportunities there. And in fact, that was one of the sectors that we thought was overvalued coming into the year. And I know the Morningstar Energy Index has fallen about 10% year to date. So again, it's probably a good market weight after being an underweight earlier this year. That's just a step away from oil and tech for a while. I want to talk to you about Disney because Disney shares, they've declined about 2% 2% last week. They're down 8% for the month. It's hitting in about just slightly under 92 bucks right now. Um, is this coming off the back of the uh, $867 million Florida plan? Yeah, they scrapped it. And of course, the escalating feud between Disney and uh, Ron DeSantis, the governor. So could this current tailwinds you know, cloud its longer term potential for Disney? So with Disney, you know, in my opinion, for long-term investors, you know, the news regarding its decision to cancel that project is not necessarily material to our valuation you know, in and of itself. And in fact, I assume there's a lot of other factors that went into that decision you know, other than just the current feud that we're seeing you know, between Disney management and Governor DeSantis. I think more material to the value of Disney and what investors have really been questioning is going to be its ability to expand its Disney Plus streaming business and really start driving long-term profitability there. Disney has been struggling with that business. But we do think Disney is probably one of the few players in the streaming business that we think has enough content and has the breadth of a catalog that they will be successful with that over time. It's just going to take a while for that to play out. I'd also note that we're also encouraged by the return of Bob Iger. You know, he's retaking control of the company. Mm-hmm. And I expect that the changes that he's putting in place will help unlock value over time as well. So when I look at Disney and I look at the fundamentals, you know, I would note that is a company, we do rate it with a wide economic moat. So essentially, we believe that company does have long-term durable competitive advantages that will allow it to earn excess returns over time. Uh, we do rate the stock right now with four stars, and oh. our fair value on that stock is $145 per share. So it's trading you know, well over a 30% discount to our fair value right now. There's quite a lot of upside to go. You know, Dave, they're also removing content of Disney+. Plus, But I think if they do remove any Marvel content, people are really, really going to get very angry. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Dave, and uh, you have a good evening, and thanks for your time. All right, well, thank you very much. Before acting on the information on Money FM. Please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.